With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is a podcast from Minute Media. (laughs) It would be a wolf spot, eh? Hello, 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 and welcome to today's episode of Wolves Fancast, part of the 90 Min Football Family Network. Joining me today, we've got Gully. Evening. And we've got the return of Luke Thompson. How are you? Return of the Mac. Can I just say, Luke's looking very freshly trimmed and he's, he's, he's got his Christmas haircut, hasn't he? Got my Christmas trim today. Got a twin scissors, Bilston. Or did you do it for the podcast? Is that is that what it was? He knows that he knows it's on YouTube tonight. I've, I've, heard, I've, heard, I've heard the viewings have gone up by five or six since I was last time, so I thought I'd make an effort. Fe- female viewership as well, yeah. Plummeting. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, judging but judging from what we're talking about pre-recording, we'll never know. Um, oh god, no. Yeah, it could be either way. Could be either way. Yeah. Um, but guys, we are here to talk about Wolves versus Chelsea half-term report on how we think the Wolves have done uh, so far this season and also chat a little bit about Watford and Arsenal and what might be happening with the games that are upcoming. So, uh, I mean, we'll start with the lineup. Um, Gully, a couple of notable changes. Um, you know, we, we've had Hoover come in uh, for Samedo. That was a bit of a surprise, I think, first and foremost. And I think we all kind of assumed that Jimenez would be returning Initial thoughts on the lineup? Did you sort of see it as rotation or as dropped, so to speak? Yeah, it's an interesting one because I mean, I, I kind of only got it, it secondhand the information just because I was I was in on my way getting right, ready for my own game, transferring over to to Molyneux. And um, the first contextual thing that I thought was important was the fact that Chelsea tried to get the game off, and you know when you hear about that, you really want to. You know, you you want it kind of gives you the bit between your teeth a little bit, doesn't it? And you think, here we go, lads, let's get into them now. And then to see the team deflated me a little bit because you thought, you know, what we've gone with the extra midfielder, um, and and he hadn't necessarily got the most threatening two up front. I think when you look at it on paper, um, Pedence and Jimenez are both great players, but when it's just the two of them that are really kind of pushing on to, to, to their back line. You wonder how much joy you're going to get, how, how you're going to really get at them. And um, so, I mean, all, all all told, it was a bit disappointing. But at the same time, I guess, having watched the game in a little bit of hindsight, it, it kind of worked um, to a certain extent as well. I was, I was, I was quite happy to see Herbert playing because I think he's got he's got a bit to offer. I remember seeing him in, um, in pre-season, um, especially the Celta Vigo friendly where... 
Mm-hmm. He tore his left back a new one. He, he was really, really good in the second half of that game. And I think he's got potential to be a good player. I think ultimately he's going to be a centre-half, but he's got a burst of pace on him that I think Samedo lacks in actually getting beyond fullbacks. So wouldn't mind seeing him get a run of games, to be honest, if 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 we can give him the chance. Okay. I was going to say, Lukey, we'll, we'll kind of talk Chelsea and then we'll loop back to the starting lineup. Did you think it was a bit of a joke from trying to get the game called off, considering the strength of their starting eleven and even, to be honest, their subspension like wasn't much different than ours, numbers and quality wise. Majorly, I mean, <clears throat> I've said a couple of things in the group this week. I just think any all these clubs that are trying to get the games called off, they're just off their heads. At the end of the day, you've got your twenty-five man squad. Beyond that, you've got players under twenty-one who are exempt from registration anyway, who you can utilise. And you're telling me clubs like Man U, Man City, Liverpool, whoever, haven't got enough quality players playing for the 23s and the 18s that they can sit on that can sit on the bench just to just to boost the squad up for the match day. I don't see what excuse or what reasoning they've got personally. I know a lot of people say, yeah, but they have to play a lot of football, blah, blah. That's where you manage your squad. That's why you're allowed a 25-man squad. And it's not like they've not got the money. Liverpool, Man City, all them, I could build a second squad stronger than our first squad. So I don't get, I don't get it personally, and I think it's a major cop out because they just want more and more protection. Yeah, I mean, when I, I mean, I think I genuinely laughed out loud when I saw, particularly the starting eleven, because it was pretty much what they played a few days prior. It was what um, they played in the Champions League final, bar two players. Yeah, I think you well and. Habits, well, probably habits. Habits, habits, yeah, habits. Yeah, obviously didn't um, play at the weekend. Um, did he? The, the only thing I could potentially say on behalf of someone like Chelsea and, and the under-21s is potential bubbles and things like that. But surely, you'd, they've lived with these regulations for several months now. Wouldn't you have just like promoted a couple more <laughs> players just in case? And, you know, because that's what Wolves have done. Like, I mean, Luke Kundal hasn't played a minute in the first team, um, as far as I'm aware. But he's within this group, just in case something like that happens. Ideally, we shouldn't have likes of Hugo um, Bueno on the bench for Wolves. But he's part of this, he's part of this bubble in case the likes of Silver, for example... Um, pulls out with COVID, and I say it. It feels just like a bit of mismanagement from the bigger clubs. But you, you go back to kind of what what is the point of the under twenty three setup and the under eighteen setup, and we've we've come to the the realization now. A lot of these clubs are looking at them as basically revenue streams um, to supplement the transfer budgets for um, the first team. Essentially, you know, you've, you've seen Liverpool, you know, make a lot of money out of players like. Dominic Solanke went for a lot of money to Bournemouth, didn't he, as an example. Would have been a, a good supplementary player for the squad. Ended up being sold for 15 to 20 million. You know, we we done it with... Um, I mean, all the talk when we sold Owen off to Sowie was that it was a su- success for the Wolves Academy. You know, that we've managed to recoup 3 million or whatever it was um, that Club Bruges played. Now, that's all well and good. But ultimately... 
the goal here has to be to provide players for the first team. And it's it's getting a little bit cynical and a little bit too business-like for me that, you know, players are basically being filtered into their youth systems with no real aspiration of playing for the first team of a club. You know, look, Chelsea, perfect example. Someone like Conor Gallagher out on loan at Crystal Palace having an excellent, excellent season. Who's to say he doesn't get sold for 30, 40 million in the summer, you know, having never played a first team game for Chelsea? And how sad would that be? I think an interesting question to ask these academies is what do you deem as success when you're coaching under 12s, under 10s, under 15s, whatever? A player from this group going on and playing 100, 150, 200 league games for the club or the player going for 25, 30 mil? To a certain extent, I feel like the academy coaches can still take pride in, in both. Yeah, because they've yeah. still developed a player for a good level of yeah, football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um, and there is always the talk about you know the percentage of, of players that make it through academies into actually playing at Premier League level and stuff being like below 1% and, and, and all mm-hmm. that. But, you know, it's, it's, it's quite a sad state of affairs, isn't it? Because ultimately there's... I don't know, maybe Brexit will change this, but there's um, youngsters from foreign countries who are coming in and, and blocking pathways and stuff. Every, every solution has to be a transfer into the club. It can't be from within, you know, the setup that's already there. We are trained almost now with the, the transfer market, the transfer window, to not look at Luke Kundal as a viable option, you know, for this squad. You know, now Bruno has talked him up, to be fair to him. But we still think, yeah. you know, we need we need another central midfielder. We definitely yeah. need one. Yeah. You know what I mean? We can't we can't add brains, can't compute that, you know what, maybe we've actually got I was gonna say, not unless you've actually physically seen him play as well. And yeah. it, it becomes a massive catch twenty two, doesn't it? Because we'll perceive he's not ready because we've not seen him play. But he's not gonna prove himself until he does play. And, you know, the amount of times you see you see players, it's like but Max Kilman's actually a really good example of this. Prime example. Prime example. The, I mean, who's shocked to see a player with potential improve when he plays games? It's ridiculous. You know, his development's you know, been absolutely ridiculous. This uh, same as like you know Gibbs White to a certain degree, and like all right, his career's taken a slightly interesting track at the moment. But you know, I don't think anyone can deny his potential three three years ago or whatever. But then it stopped because of lack of game time and not quite getting that rhythm. And I'd also argue, and we'll kind of, this will be my link back into the Chelsea chat, is around Hoover. Now, he seems to slightly split opinions at this point. I think there's a bit of a player there. Um, however, he ain't going to improve if he's only playing one ga- one in every, what, 17 games or whatever? Like, you know, he, he started, uh, you know, given the amount of games he started, is he going to be able to push on and compete for a first-team place at Wolves or even play enough to, you know, the cynical point of view is, is he going to play enough to warrant a higher transfer free fee from somebody else in the future? See, I, th- it- I, think, I think the issue that you have here sometimes is, again, it's a bit of a catch-22 because Herver's in and around the match day squad. But yeah. then you've got somebody like Dion Sanderson who's out there getting actual minutes in the professional game at could you call the championship an elite level 
possibly. I think well, it's a very good standard anyway. Yeah, yeah. Very good standard. And now, now <clears throat> I think personally, if you're a manager looking at a player, you're going to look at Herver, who's got this potential, but he's only got a handful of games under his belt. Or in a, a season's time, for example, somebody like Deion Sanderson, and it's like, hold on, he's got he's got 80 games under his belt now, 80 first-team games in the Championship, which is going to be the better option here. So mm. sometimes you can stay around the squad and actually play yourself out of contention, yeah. I think. I f- I mean, I know we've got a question about Fabio Silva in Twitter corner. So, again, that's someone else we can bring into. Back to Wolves and the starting lineup. Were you a bit anxious about Podence and Jimenez almost in a front two? Because I saw the lineup and like, I was trying to like work out how it's all going to fit. I mean, <laughs> for me, I was anxious going into it. After about 10 minutes, I was thoroughly eating my hat, as it were. I mean, Luke, what did you sort of think of, I guess, the, the initial kind of reaction to formation and then how we went on to sort of play, particularly sort of first half an hour? Um, again, I, I mentioned it in, in the group when the team was announced. I don't really read too much into the team. The managers pick the team. If I moan with it, if I agree with it, it ain't going to change, obviously, unless somebody gets injured in the warm-up, but that's out of everyone's control. So... I prefer just to say, okay, this is the team for today. Let's just see how it goes. Um, so I, I try not to have too much of an opinion on it, but it it kind of worked. I think the extra body in the centre of the park helped us and, and was kind of key. Um, if I was to have one grumble, me personally, I would have gone with Traore over Podence because it was so blatantly obvious we were going to play a counter-attacking game. Now, I know this player splits opinion more so than any other player, but if you're playing a counter-attacking game, for me, Traore is a perfect outlet for the counter-attack. So when he's on the bench, when we're purposely setting up to play a counter-attacking game, that's what frustrates me. But Pardons didn't do too bad. You know, you can't grumble too much about his performance. And Yeah, I mean, uh, Gully, I know you're, you're a big fan of Podence, Um And... I found something quite interesting that I like. I really like Adam Traore in the fact he can hold up play to a degree in, in a positive and, well, frankly, a negative. But, you know, he's an outlet. And I saw Podence doing a lot of that with his ball control and his trickery. I mean, he was kind of at the forefront of pretty much all the good things Wolves did. Um, you yeah. know, you can start with the offside goal um, as a prime example. Um, and yeah, basically, all the three key incidents in the first half, he had an involvement in the, the offside goal, the handball, and then Donker's chance, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And I think my, my concern issue was that with Pedence and Jimenez there, we weren't offering too much of a threat in behind. But what, what ended up happening in the first half was that with Matinho, Neves, Dendonka, Pedence, we created this kind of square within the, the middle of the park where. Chelsea, who had Trevor Shalabar in there and Kante. Now, Kante obviously is a world-class player, but Trevor Shalabar is a makeshift central midfielder, ultimately. And we managed to keep possession quite nicely in that area of the pitch, and Pedence was very important to that. Um, and then that's where, you know, we win the ball, I think it was out on the flank, uh, Herbert yeah. one. It. We managed to play through the middle of the pitch, out wide to Marcel, who've actually put a good cross in, which, you know, was the, probably the most amazing thing about it. Um 
and yeah, we were unfor- unfortunate into a, to a certain extent with Jimenez not timing his run. To, to be when you look at it, there, it doesn't need to be ahead of the I play, know. does it? I he know. really doesn't, and he, he should know better because it's quite obvious that he's ahead of the centre half. He should yeah. he should be lining himself up with him. Marcel's got so much space to play the ball in behind, and, and you can see uh, where him, you can yeah. see Jimenez is looking. He can, you can. You know, he can see halfway across the line, isn't it? It's not like he's been caught out wide or whatever. He's, you know, he can see where Thiago Silva is. The only thing you're thinking is maybe he thinks there's someone behind him who's actually playing him on yeah. side. But the only thing you can be thinking. You don't want to. You don't want to give it that chance, do you? You know, as a, mm. I mean, I don't often find myself in positions where I might be played offside. But um, you know, that's my my major concern is just always to stay level with someone in an opposition coloured shirt um, and. Yeah, unfortunate because I think the play up until that point had, had deserved something. Um, and it was a real good point in the game to score, I think, because we, we were on top at that point. Yeah, we, we're playing we're playing good football. And like, I think for all talk of us being defensive, like going into a game and just going on a counter-attack, it didn't feel that way. And you, like you look at that goal and we passed it through them and we, we had them on the ropes in my opinion, we got them rattled, you know, obviously Thomas Tuchel's, uh, you know, a, a world-class manager and he is adept at changing things mid-game. But for him to switch formation, you know, partway through the first half, I think it was, to, to kind of cope with our midfield, because all of a sudden, you know, we, we were somehow, we say we're playing basically four central what did Players you think he changed, though, Rich? I'm not, I'm not sure what you were I think he changed to a back four. Um, did he? No. I, I believe he did sort of slightly switch system at one point to okay. try and... Something definitely happened because the Chelsea yeah. players was arguing and some of them was arguing towards the bench. Like, okay. what's going on? What's yeah. going on? What are we doing? And whether it was tactical or... He certainly said something at half-time. Because this is where sometimes it might have been maybe around when Cody had his treatment, the break in play yeah. kills your momentum, gives mm. the, oppor- the opportunity yeah. for the manager to get a message reset. out there mm. and that can reset a little bit and so it can work against you sometimes. But Yeah. Um, I mean, the other sort of one where Podents was involved to a degree was the Kante handball, I guess. With ones like this, I always like two opinions. The heat of the moment one and you know, one 24 hours later. So, uh, you know, I'll pull up the, the still frame, which is always a bit of a harsh thing to do for any, oh. um, you know, any handball incident. And I'd be, I'd be, I'd be pissed if Chelsea podcast was doing that. If it was a Wolves player or, or, or whatever, it didn't half look like it, it looked horribly blatant though, even though maybe in the cold light of day with my rose tint spectacles off, I'm not quite sure. I think it has hit his chest first, hasn't it? And that's the saving yeah. grace. That's the, that's the only saving grace. <sighs> Frustrating. Because it's more of a handball than fucking Matinho away at Man City last week. Yeah. And that is the frustrating thing. Like, I mean, so the fact that you can't, you know, say you compare the two instances which aren't, you know, horribly similar or dissimilar. It's still for the same, same for the same... Um, Let's say penalty, penalty, yeah. Like that, yeah. But I still couldn't tell you whether Martino's hit his arm or not. That I can see it probably hit his arm, like you look at it, but 
I mean, I, I mean, funny. It's it's come from fifty yards away. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the ball's actually travelled a serious right. distance to, for them for then Kante to do what he, now. I think there's an argument that it came off his body and then onto his arm, and yeah. people will say that mm. you know the deflection won't um, doesn't automatically make it a handball. But when it's come from that distance, I'm sorry, but I mean, Gully, mm. we've we've all done it where we've missed a flight of a ball. Um, you know, you, you you play at the back. I, I, I've played at the back, and either the bouncer's got you or something, and the amount of time. Like, I've seen whatever you do, don't go back and watch the content creators cup highlights, now, yeah, because uh, there's, exactly. a, there's a really bad example of that. But, but does, <laughs> does that mean say hands like that? It's it, it's just awkward from, from say a genuinely magnificent footballer. If see now, how do we know it wasn't deliberate? How do we know he hasn't thought, fuck, I've miscontrolled this, so he's leaned over. To control it with his with his arm, how do we know it's not deliberate? I mean, to because... be fair, he's, he stood there like the angel of the north, mate. Like, it, <laughs> like, so it doesn't. I, I, to a certain extent, it doesn't matter if it's deliberate to me because then the whole unnatural position thing comes into play. Oh, then that's just a mess in and itself. Then, you know, so yeah. so therefore, which which rule do you want us to to go down? Because the one that goes fucking for us every week. Well, there you, well, there you go, <laughs> but. I was going to say, for one where we can continually shift the goalposts around yeah. this. It's like, because let's be honest, I, I do feel sorry for refs with handball because Fuck it's him. like this one no. goal. No. <laughs> Not anymore. I've got no sympathy anymore. I think it's the uh, fact that he didn't give anything, you know, because then there's the whole goal scoring opportunity and it's being one on one. At least give the free kick. Like, come on. I was going to say, that's if what he gives the free kick, Collar send him, don't I? No bollocks then. Do we want to hear uh, Bruno Lajo's thoughts on VAR? Yes, I have heard of it. I'll, uh, I'll, I will play the clip, guys. I cannot say nothing about the players. Even today, it was very hard to talk with them in the end because even my players are confused. Uh, so, the same VAR who saw it, it was uh, offside with Raul. Raul don't touch the ball across us from here. We scored that goal. It's the same VAR who didn't saw the handball. Uh, after 10 minutes, and it's, 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 if it's not a handball, what happened against the game against Man City? So this is only the things after in the end, we are there frustrating because we come to, to, to play the game and every time this kind of decisions, so we need to, to, to understand the VAR is there to help the, the referees, so the VAR should be more careful about to analyze the things. And I think today, the same VAR you cannot see. I will say it again because it's, it's, we, we, my, my players deserve to. to I, I need to say that the same VAR we didn't watch. Uh, we watched the, the, the goal. Raúl didn't touch the ball. It was a good cross. Uh, second man appeared alone in the second post. I don't see one man from Chelsea talk about the offside. It was the same VAR you didn't see the handball from from a Chelsea player. And two games ago, two games ago, it was the VAR. Uh, saw it the handball uh, with uh, with Juan. So that's sometimes it's very hard to to understand these decisions. But move on. So he's basically summed up what we're saying a lot more concisely and a lot more elegantly than yeah, what very, we've just been saying. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if he does. I, honestly, I love Bruno because he's, he's very honest in, in everything that he says. <laughs> it's just whatever comes out, and because of that, I think he starts to mumble his words a little bit, and it's like. 
the VAR and then the, it's just a bit all over the place with what he's saying and obviously it's not his first language um, but I just love his honesty and just he just comes out with whatever's on his mind yeah and, and he made a very good point with none of the Chelsea players appealed for offside now yeah. if if they thought Raul had touched the ball Rudiger's arm would have been up straight away because he can see he's blatantly a mm. yard off sorry um, it's all this interfering with play it just just pre pre VAR, that's just a goal, isn't it? Yeah, it, it yeah. probably is because it wasn't really. It wasn't. I'm sure it wasn't called on the field at all, was it? So, oh, yeah, about half hour later, or when he got told <laughs> in his earpiece and he put the the flag up. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say the other main chance Wolves had in the first half was Dendonka with a open header inside the box again, cross from Podence. I mean. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Got to he needs better. to do better there. He's got to do better. Right. That, that's a massive guilted chance. He's um, just a player that lacks he lacks conviction in pretty much everything that he does. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, he sees the ball coming from a long way. He positions himself. I think he gets up a little bit early. Um, yeah. But then it's like, oh, I just glance it on. Yeah. Uh, Maybe the, the, you can see there's not enough pace on the ball to do that. You've got to really get your neck muscles into that one. And for a keeper of Mendy's quality, he made it. He made life easy for him. Make him make a good save. You know that was just kind of flopped into his hand. I think if we try and put a positive spin on it, so we don't get accused of being one way or the other. I suppose it's nice to see a body from central midfield arriving in the boxer. Yeah, yeah. And getting it, and, and it's from our open play as well. You know, we barely get a striker in the bottom half of play. And if, so if, if it's not, would, uh, if it's not happening when we've only got two up front, though, you are in trouble, you know, because you're not going to get enough bodies into the box, are you? So you'd like that, to think that that's going to happen. That, that's something that interests me about the, the disallowed goal is when you sort of look at it. Obviously, Marcel's in the box crossing ball. You've got Jimenez in the middle. You've got Dendonk, uh, so you've got Podence far side. But you have also got, Donk just on the edge of the box running in as well, and Martinho as well. So at a point in the game, we were pushing players forward. And in theory, for Donk's chance, like, yeah, he kind of fluffed his lines, but that's why he's in there, isn't he? He is to be that extra body and just, if he gets the opportunity, just break through the lines and, and have a go. I mean, it did make me think of Dave Edwards in a way, um, just because I was like, if that was, if that was Edo, it's still probably missing, but you know, it, it, it reminded me in terms of a midfield runner. Um, I, I guess that second half, it there was a bit of a momentum shift and Chelsea started to turn the screw, but defensively, I mean, it was just brick wall stuff again, wasn't it? Yeah, poor, poor Chelsea had to kind of re- revert to Sal Nigueth coming off the bench you know yeah. we had to delve into the into the depths of their squad to pull that one out and um yeah the, i think it's really, what's... really tough for them bringing on you know spanish international champions league the league winner yeah, yeah yeah bringing on world cup finalist the league winner yeah i mean there was a point they <laughs> might have had to bring on you know villa former villa loney ross barkley but thankfully they didn't have to go that low I don't know we'd have been in trouble then, wouldn't we? Yeah. Um, but I think you saw the shift from them having a makeshift midfield to having a proper midfield in there, and the way that we just couldn't get out. And I think that was my initial concern with Pedence and Jimenez being up top. That 
there was a lack of an outlet. Now, Jimenez, if I'm being honest, didn't do enough for me within the 90 minutes. As a player who is basically guaranteed to play 90 minutes every single week, he needs to start doing a little bit more. Um, and he owes this one after the City game, let's be honest. Um, mm. So, if he's not pulling his way in terms of holding the ball up, Pedensen going to do it, is he? So, the whole Chelsea team, their, their backs are up a little bit and they can squeeze right up the pitch. Rudiger, you know, you know what he's like. He's aggressive. He's straight into the tackle. And then they've got Thiago Silva, who's an absolute Rolls-Royce, just sweeping everything up. Um, so we, it, we really struggled um, after that. And I'd like to see Bruno change things a little bit earlier, personally. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a bit of a on-running point we keep making about Bruno, that he doesn't kind of switch things early enough, particularly when it comes to, I guess, with the game hanging in the balance. And when we're losing, he seems to be kind of quite keen to very much fix things up but if it's one one nil or uh, we're drawing doesn't always you know he leaves it late and I don't it always feels 10 minutes too late yeah nine times out of ten from our opinion on the hole in the stands it's like yeah you've actually made the right sub it's just 10 minutes too late mm. that's and that's I can, how I, I can, feel about him and I, mean, his I, complete, anyway. I completely get having faith in your players and you know trusting the, the players who you've started and continued into a second half, etc. But with the players flagging and things like that and just needing an extra bit of him to something, particularly around, let's say, someone like Traore when he comes off the bench, it's like, bring him on that little bit earlier, give them something to think about a little bit more rather than just building and building this constant pressure because then it's going to make using Traore as an outlet harder because yeah. our players will be mentally fatigued as well as physically. I will, I will always caveat substitutions with, I mean, it, it, it's quite noticeable how it can kind of upset the equilibrium of a team, whether it be positively or negatively. You know, I've got a problem with how long it takes subs to get ready. You know, yeah. they're not always warm. They need a few minutes to get themselves going. Yeah. And, you know, in the heat of battle and the tempo of a game, trying to pick it up straight away is so difficult. Hard. Oh, it is hard. And, you know, that can go... I think Bruno basically saw the point there for the taking. And he left it and left it and left it until there was enough time for probably us to create a chance without giving too much away. It didn't come to fruition, obviously. And personally, I'd like to have, him to have taken off a midfielder for a forward and add, a, add an extra one into the forward line rather than go like for like. But I think he saw the point for the taking. He thought, you know what? If I'm being honest, we could we could t- we'll take this. You know, Neil Neil was there, and they weren't threatening us really. So he didn't want to that back three and the three in front of him. He didn't want to upset the rhythm of that too much. Yeah, I was going to say, um, who are your kind of standout performance? Uh, well, performers even guys. I Sorry, mean, I, Cole, I, I, Cody, that was four for me. Fantastic, yeah. absolutely. I thought Matinho was unbelievable. Yeah. It, the first half, especially, he was ridiculous. Like, watch it, watch it back, honestly, because he he was honestly playing in slippers. Like, he was just doing whatever he liked and matched Kante stride for stride in everything that he did. And that's that says a lot, you know. Given we talk about his age and stuff, 
yeah. he he was right up there with Kante with the running and, and, and tracking him and snapping his tackles. And then when he got the ball, he used it really, really well. It was unreal. I mean, again, a thread that I've sort of picked up on the last sort of, well, month or two, to be honest, is when we're talking about who's doing well, Matinho's name just keeps cropping up. And he is just, uh, whether it's Bruno, whether it's, uh, to be honest, Neves playing really well at the moment as well, helping. Just he seems to have just found that rhythm. And you don't always notice when Matinho has a good game. Um, but it, it's a, it's on games like this when, particularly that first half when we dominated, and I say you just watch him for like 10 minutes and you go, he's, he's not lost the ball. Well, you notice it's when, when he's had tackle. a bad game. You yeah. notice when he's had it because his levels drop and you're like, whoa, we don't normally see this. It's almost a bit yeah. of a shock to the system because then all of a sudden everything's going wrong for him. But that, I, I know, I mean, I put I tweeted saying that the two oldest players on the pitch were probably the two best because Thiago yeah. Silva was just. I was going to say, that, was there something quite nostalgic? Isn't quite the right word, but you know, it was nice about these two sort of old war horses of European football just absolutely killing it because Thiago Silva, I mean, I can't remember which one, but he, he did this, an interception, I think, in the second half where, you know, he just just knew what he was doing. And yeah. just... Ugh. There was one in the first half where the, there's kind of a bouncing ball play for a nightmare for any centre-half to deal with because he's running back towards his own goal and he had Jimenez right up his arse. And mm. he just done... The, it, it was so clever. Like, the ball was bouncing, and Jimenez kind of got his body in there, but Thiago Silva just done everything he could to make sure his body was between Jimenez and the ball. And he was basically falling over the whole time, but somehow, some way, he just managed to keep Jimenez away from getting the ball. Because if he gets the ball in that position we're in, and just the way he just seemed to manipulate his body, and and he was hell-bent on making sure that his team wasn't, um, under pressure in that situation, I was just like, "How? I don't know how he did it." Thirty-seven years old, man. Jeez. I mean, I say, you, you, I just think it was again. It, it, it's glorious to kind of see. I guess fantastic players playing fantastic. Um, you know, whether it's not for your team, I've pulled up some of the stats from the the game as well. I mean, obviously possession wise, but they dominated and the amount of you know passes they had. But both teams actually didn't really have that many on-target chances. Only one shot on goal each, which kind of doesn't quite feel right considering the flow of the game. And obviously we have the offside goal. But I think overall, would you say points fair result, even if we're looking a bit unbiased? I think a point against Chelsea, the champions of Europe, is a good point. Even if they have got players missing through COVID and whatever, they can still bring in quality, as we saw with the starting lineup. It's a, it's a decent point, and I think ninety eight percent of Wolves fans would have taken a draw yeah. before kickoff. And I know your your view always gets skewed after the game has been played, but I think it's a it's a decent result. Moaning about a point at home to Chelsea, that just shows, oh, I'll get abused for this now, how privileged we are. Yeah. Really. I mean, Gully, my question to you then, if you're a Chelsea fan, do you see this as two points dropped or do you see it as a fair result? Because again, Saar was great. He dominated where he needed to, but it wasn't like he was peppered. 
Yeah, one save to make. Um, I yeah. think there was a couple of crosses where he, he kind of palmed them away, but in terms of chances, that's all they had to do. So I don't yeah, think yeah, they can actually shot, yeah. they can legitimately claim to have dropped points in that game. And I think this is where we need to realise ourselves that you know ultimately we're, we're matching the best sides in the country, like stride for stride, in every single game we played in the last couple of weeks. Um, so we should be pretty pleased with where we're at as a team. And like, let's forget, football at this level, is it's freaking hard. <laughs> like, honestly, you look how hard both teams had to work to try and get yeah. anything. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. to be fair. Both teams, like, and the best players in the world. N'Golo Kante is one of the best midfielders in the world. And he was busted a gut to try and get anything mm. out of us. And he couldn't. That couldn't. That couldn't make it happen. Yeah. Um, rounding off Wolves chat. Then who are we giving man of the match to? I've not put up the who scored player ratings to give some, I guess, some semblance. I mean, that, I, I think what a fucking travesty that is, man. <laughs> Six point one for Matinho. Flipping seven point three for Herbert. I mean, Herbert, um, I thought was okay. But not 7.3. Not 7.3. Not the best player on our side. Asace is actually yeah. the best. For me, it's any of those back four there. Probably uh, and Saar for me. Probably Saez. Probably Saez. Saez, whoever you say is near. I, I was going to say, for me, I'd, I'd probably go Cody just because he is battling an injury at the moment and you could mm. feel it taking his toll. But the way he kind of held it all together, just when we needed it, we didn't drop so deep. And it, it, it was, I can't remember who said it. Goody will probably sort of pull me up on it. But, you know, the perfect game, someone once said, you know, the perfect game ends nil-nil. Because yeah. both both kind of teams, as you say, they cancel each other out. Three, two. Um, three, two. <laughs> Three two to Wolves, no, I'm assuming. It's, it's <laughs> one nil, and it's an absolute screamer that nobody can do anything about. Yeah. That's probably the perfect game. <laughs> so, Goody, how about you? Are you still giving it to um, Marvin? I've got to give it to Jam. I've got to give it to Jam. I know I've just seen all Six of them. 6.1 Jam. What the hell now? It's all stats based. Who on earth would use stats in their analysis of any football match, honestly? Have a word. <laughs> it is shocking. Well, we're going to take a short break, guys. Um, we'll be back in a say to. Round up the first half of the season and chat a little bit about the potential upcoming games. See you in a little bit. Hi, it's Richard from Wolves Fancast here. Just interrupting today's show before we get back to some questionable opinions and opinionated questions to talk to you a little bit about our sponsors, Pixel Yeti Media. They are a design agency that put you and your business first from web design, logo and branding design and marketing. If you have any marketing needs, get in touch with them to find out how they can help you get it right. They are over at pixelyettingmedia.com. Now let's get back to a show where we can give you some really forced wordplay, niche cultural references and maybe even a bit of football talk attention parents and students we have an incredible exclusive offer from our friends at pro prep this is the perfect study tool for university students undertaking science technology engineering or maths related modules it can halve your study time pro prep provides bite-sized videos relevant to the module or course which can be accessed from any device at any time it has already helped over 500,000 students pass their exams they provide customized stem study tools that match your syllabus Long lectures are condensed into short and clear video tutorials. 
after the video, you can go through what you've already learned with interactive exercises and practice questions so you'll be ready. You can even submit questions to the ProPrep professors and receive a video answer within 24 hours. ProPrep created a special offer just for our listeners. All you need to do is go to their website, proprep.uk forward slash info forward slash football for more information and our listeners can sign up today for a free 30-day trial. No credit card information required. That's P-R-O-P-R-E-P dot U-K forward slash info forward slash football. Pro pro. Welcome back, everybody, from our lovely sponsors. Uh, ad break. Guys, we're halfway through the season. Doesn't feel like yesterday since we were kicking it off. Um I think enough times, enough games have kind of gone to about now where we can actually judge Bruno Large on a decent run of games now. Um, been some interesting um, op-eds come out this week in terms of what they think of how he's doing. Um, and I'm going to pass it over to Goody first, um, chiefly because we can do a fantastically shameless plug for your blog um, on Bruno himself. So... Without saying, saying just read the article, like guys, how do you think the season's gone so far? Yeah, I mean, well, give too much away because I do want to direct people to, to have a read of it, but kind of triggered Link a little in bit. The description that's all I'll say, guys. <laughs> triggered a little bit by I think Johnny Phillips's article uh, in the Expressing Star, where and I think a lot of our listeners would agree there were some harsh takes, you know, Johnny. Friend of the show, of course. Um, so don't don't be too upset, mate. We're, we're calling you out here, but um, yeah, I, there was talk of lacking an identity, um, not sure what we are as a team, and things like that. And it's just a bit, it's a bit harsh, I think, um, simply based on the fact that there are mitigating factors when you look at it throughout um, Bruno's reign, whether it be not necessarily having. Um, a great war chest to work within the summer. Um, he's new to the league. It's only his second job in management. Um, he was a gamble, less, like when you think about it uh, on that basis. He's only had one proper season of success. He, he resigned halfway through the next one at Benfica. Now, he wanted to create an attacking, you know, scintillating football team. Wasn't able to with the players at his disposal. And I think the real credit has to go to the fact that He's shifted his approach. He's able to work in a different way with a different group. And he's made us a successful football team as a result. And when you look at it, things like we haven't conceded a goal from set piece so far this season. That is that is actually ridiculous. Like when you think about the amount of corners that come into your box, the amount of free kicks that come into your box, even direct free kicks and stuff, like you can't really do too much about them sometimes. But the, the, you know, the records show that we haven't conceded one. So, and ultimately, I think set pieces can often be just just pure chaos. You know, ball comes in, it rebounds around, and even you look at the goals we conceded, we scored against Villa. Um, you know, to to yeah. kind of get back into the game, yeah. Villa conceded those goals because they were soft centred, they were panicky, they weren't assured in any way. Um, in that scenario, we are all of those things. And I think there was a comment in Johnny's piece that said in the Brighton game, we conceded quite a few set pieces towards the end of the game, which were unnecessary. If I'm being honest, I'm quite happy watching us defend set pieces right now. If we need to give a free kick away, you know, 30, 40 yards from goal, 
you know, yeah. bring it on at the moment. That's going to bite me on the arse against Watford, no doubt. Um, but, you know, it's one of our strengths, so play to it. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think for someone who's a pretty much a novice and for someone who, you know, let's be, let's be fair, we weren't expecting a lot from at the start of this season to be doing what he's doing. I think you've got to give him a massive pat on the back so far. Beyond Luke. Um, I mean, by and large, basically a very similar squad to what Nuno had last season. Couple of additions um, in, in Trincao and Wang. Let's say you, you compare, I guess, the first six months of this year to the second half with this similar group of players. It's almost, almost you could argue, light and day. Yeah, I mean, I think we look like a, a completely different team, especially defensively. Um, I, I think towards the end under Nuno, whilst we didn't really concede a hell of a lot of goals, we looked vulnerable. Now, we don't we don't have that vulnerability about us when teams are attacking us. Um, last season, every time a team went forward, you're thinking, they're going to create a chance here. Now, we don't give those chances up so easily. Now, for me, that has to be credit to Bruno and his coaching team. Because in the summer, we need a centre-off. Oh, we are so Sven Botman. We're going down. Oh, what's going to go on? So, from a Wolfsand's point of view, we needed a centre-off. That's That would be the least of my worries now. Because of the partnership that Kilman, Cody and Saiz have built up. Why would you want to interfere with that? on our African Cup of Nations is going to. But you wouldn't sort of intentionally go in and want to change those three. You know, I don't want to sort of use a FIFA term, but the chemistry, the chemistry lines are green at the moment <laughs> between those three. And and Saar as well. Saar, signing of, signing of the season. I know we don't make that many signings, but signing of the season. Yeah. And such an upgrade on Patricio. I mentioned it on the podcast a few times last season. I'd love to know Patricio's Save percentage ratio. Oh, it, percentage. It, because it, 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 hilariously it just, yeah, it appeared every time a team had a shot on target, or it was like every other shot on target resulted in a goal. Now, SARS save percentage is, I think it's 80%, which is unreal. I think he's made the most saves in the league and he's conceded, is it the third, third least? He's got the biggest, uh, Expected goals against versus actual goals conceded gap um, mm. of all keepers in the league. That's so right. he is overperforming massively. And even from uh, an attacking point of view, I know our attacking player has been pretty much null and void the last six games, but his distribution, fantastic. Patricio, honestly, with all due respect, international keeper, over 100 caps of Portugal, won multiple honours. Oh, He's the sort of keeper on a Sunday morning who don't take his own goal kicks. <laughs> I think Tony even took some for him before. He don't take watched, his own goal kicks. He can't kick. Pushes. I watched the Roma game at the weekend and they absolutely shit out the win against Atalanta 4. I don't know how they scored four goals, but Mourinho masterclass 4-1 against Atalanta. And uh, I mean, he, he had a decent game, to be fair to him, but he's kicking again. You just saw it. He's like, I don't miss that. You don't nah, miss it at all. Nah. I'm not sitting there saying Patricio oh, sheet or anything. He's like, not. He did. Well, he did a job for us. He did yeah. a job. But last season, he was he was shit. To be fair, 
I will say shit last season. But before that, fantastic. Thank you. Rui, brilliant. But Sar, you're an upgrade, mate. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about this earlier and I don't think there's any attributes that Sar doesn't have the better of him. Commands his area better as well. You know, there's probably some broad ones. You say he comes out and claims he's got fast distribution. That's it, and, and accurate yeah. as well yeah. and varies it. Uh, you know, shot stopping is a prerequisite for a goalkeeper. Like, but you know, we, we commented last season around Patricio and how there were points where it was like he's not making absolute howlers, but we just came to keep conceding. And you know, it, I do think that Sar is one of the reasons why that back three is also playing so well because they've got that extra support. Um, and it breeds and, confidence as well. Yeah, and you it can see confidence. like, but it's for both parties, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I was going to say two for yourselves. If the season ended now, um, which legitimately it might do, <laughs> um, who would you give player for season so far to, and who would you give your unsung hero to? Go on, then, go on, go on. Okay, absolutely, right, without a shadow of a doubt. Like unreal, unreal. My player of the season, I would give to Saar. Okay. I just think he's been fantastic. I think Kilman though, Jesus, I've had to eat some humble pie with that boy. <laughs> Are you now officially into the King Kilman Club? I refuse to enter that club. I will never <laughs> enter that club. No, there's too much water under that bridge. But I will admit. I am eating humble pie. It is club with a C, Luke. It's club with a C. (laughs) You will be a (laughs) club. He's amazing. I mean, he can't be far off England. He can't be far off England. We didn't even talk about the chop he did in the first half against Chelsea. You know he played futsal, don't you? He has. (laughs) All I know is about his um his um parents as well. <laughs> They're from they're Russian. Like all that futsal done him no good. He can't play for Russia now, can he? Or Ukraine? No, it's Ukraine. Sorry, it's Ukraine, not Russia. That's yeah. that's gonna upset the Soviets. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think even its position its positional sense has gone up tenfold. I mean, do you remember the game um Man United away last season? Mm. And he was all over the shop for their goal when the ball got clipped over the top. Yeah. I don't see that mistaking him no more. But it's a collective. The reason why I wanted to bring up a player of the season, be unsung heroes, almost to give you sort of two bites of the cherry, because there's so many players who have done well. I mean, predominantly, they're not necessarily forward <laughs> players. But look at, look at Nelson Semedo. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons why I think Kilman's playing so well is because Samedo's next to him, who is a really good defender. Uh, you know, we've not even talked about Neves. Yeah. He was He goes. He's too good. Yeah. He's too good. He's too good. He goes somewhere. He goes to like Liverpool, Man City, and he does what Jot is doing there, and he steps mm. up. Yeah. 
Samedo was going to be my unsung and it was going to be slightly political based on the amount of hatred that he's got Go um, since joining the club. But he's my unsung player of the season because he's he's just locked down that position now. When we, you know, people, I was at the Leeds game, Leeds away, and the bloke next to me, Samedo had just set up the the Juan goal. I think um, he made a run down the right hand side, and the bloke turns around and goes. I'd still have Doherty any day. Oh, and I, was, I was just yeah, head in my hands. I was like, oh, yeah. man. Just let it Come go. on, guys. Come just, on, just, guys. Just let it oh. go. And, right, it's, it's not the greatest barometer, but look what Doherty's done since he's moved to Spurs. I feel sorry for him a little bit, but, yeah. He's not... He's, some Ado could go and play for Spurs, I think. Yeah. That's the way you got to look at it. He I'd like to think some Ado's better than Emerson Royale. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Both I mean, I do, I, I do sort of feel sorry for Doherty in a way, but the way the last sort of eight Listen, he's getting paid handsomely from there, but and he was all right a, signing that contract. Yeah, there's yeah. a reason he went. There's a reason he went to a big London club, yeah. and oh, you know, he's he's not working for his dad's upholstery company half time yeah, anymore. He's not doing any public <laughs> cleaning anymore, is he? Um, <laughs> you know, it's like that. There's about four or five players who I think have been real standouts, and. On the whole, I'd be gobsmacked to find many Wolves fans who are upset with this season because, say, like you look where we are in the league. You We've got one in our fan cast crew. Yeah. That's you. Fuming. Ah, st- Fuming. Ah, stupid. Ah, stupid. <laughs> stupid, yes. Like, I mean, the fact that there's still obvious progression in this team as well. And yeah. we know that. Just from the coaching setup at the moment, that a couple of I wouldn't say better because that's unfair onto some of the players who we currently have, but more appropriate players to assistant Bruno wants to play, of which he has been bluntly honest about, which is scary. But he doesn't want to be playing this formation with necessarily these players, and he's still getting you know, still singing a tune out of them. Like that, that's sure a sign of a great coach. Over to Falson now. That's all we can do because we have got the makings of a great team. We've sort of created that defensive stability. We're hard to beat, very hard to beat. I don't think teams enjoy playing against us because they know that it's we're going to be hard to beat. Um, going forward, we're struggling. We're struggling. We, we need something fresh up there. Um, <clears throat> we need, and we need the players that... The players that are playing to do more, like we've got options. We have got options up there. You, you, you can't tell me there's not talent up there. They've got to be playing better. Though. Obviously, we've got Jimenez, brilliant. Listen, I'm flying the Traore flag as well. Brilliant. Um, Trinkau and Wang, I have having them. I don't think they're good enough. Like how we are gonna like just let it hang out and work Bruno seems to think well, I think with the Huang one, Bruno seems to think that he's basically signed on the dotted line from, from January the first, and he so I think we're gonna get, get used to the idea of him being around. Trinkau, he's got a lot of convincing to do. I think he's he's the kind of player who look good in a very good team, he's gonna keep the yeah. ball a lot. Um yeah. but we're not that team at the moment, are we? So um We need yeah. Neto back. We need Neto. And, and then need... you could almost you could almost say you know, cheers, Trinko, for the first half of the season. You yeah. know, yeah. Barcelona could do with your help. <laughs> well, it, it, it work in everybody's best interest yeah. when Neto's back fit. Get him off our wage bill. 
he can start playing a few more minutes, get a bit of um, sunshine on his back, and we don't have to watch him and we can watch Neto instead. Yeah, I do think that, like, Trincao's, you know, a semi-permanent player, and we think, you know, Huang's pretty much going to be confirmed January that it's going to be permanent. You look at that attacking unit, but you've got Jimenez, Huang, Neto, when back fit, Podence, Traore, plus Trincao. That's a good front six. However, the question will always be where the goal's going to come from. Jimenez, he's got a couple, but he's not where he was a year, year and a half ago. Huang has got some goals in his career, but not a lot. Neto's, Neto's, I think, the real key, isn't he? Because he showed last season he has got the potential to be a consistent goal scorer given the, given the right setup and development path. It, you know, I feel like he could be the genuine real missing piece of a jigsaw, I think. I think the missing piece of our jigsaw is centre mid. Mm. Still think we need that box to box midfielder who strong can put a tackle in, decent in the air. It's not great on Donker, isn't it? Mobility's our big biggest problem in there. They're all, no, they're all a bit slow. At all. Yeah. I don't even think Dendonka's the answer. No, I think as I say it's it's an upgrade on Dendonka. That's what yeah, it, yeah. it is. Because all the yeah, things you're asking for is what Dendonka yeah. does, but not quite with the level Intensity. of the energy we conviction, yeah. yeah. It's a real sort of shame to say because we're like, oh, we just need him. Just someone who can do what you're doing, like 10, 15, 20% better. Yeah. Leander, do you know anyone? <laughs> <laughs> do you know? I was going to say, is uh, Tielemans fancy a stint down Molyneux or oh, something instead? You know what? He's a sun player. <sighs> I remember a couple of, you know, when we played him a couple of years back, I think it must have been like his first or second game. It just been like, why did we not? Why didn't we get him for him when we had the chance, sort of thing? But, I think, um, I'm sure I heard he was uh, Nuno's on his Nuno's rejected list. I think I, he, I think I heard that too. That he really? was, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, he was on a, he was supposedly, allegedly, apparently, maybe on a Wolves shortlist, which he was then binned off by by Nuno. I can't remember who he went for instead. Or he went for anyone. Oh God! I mean. Probably. <laughs> Which Belgian <laughs> centre midfielder do you want? Oh. Um, I, I mean, I guess sort of following on from this, we have got two games in the calendar as time of recording um, coming up. Um, we've got Watford Boxing Day, then Arsenal a couple of days later. Um, I think the first question is, do we see the games happening at all or... With fans, I think they'll be behind closed doors. Definitely. If if Hensford and Wright teams or anything to go and buy Gully. Well, that was amazing. That that is genuinely amazing. I mean, how many fans did they get to then turn them away like that? (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. God. Fighting Uh, fighting them away from the turnstile, weren't they? I'm sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Go on, Gully, sorry. They've well, they've had the meeting today, haven't they? And uh, they've decided they've they've explained the rules of the game, and it's something like thirteen outfield players plus a keeper. If that's how many you've got missing, whether it be injuries, COVID, whatever, then you're you've got grounds to postpone your game. That's a lot of players, if you're being fair. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't, I'm not convinced, you know, some of these games that have been called off have been to that extent, if you're being honest. You know, someone might have had a sniffle in the changing rooms and they decided, you know what, he's got symptoms or something. Someone's got, so someone's got the orange juice and the, uh, the electrical flow tests out, haven't they? Well, there you go. Is that, is that, the, is that the trick? I don't... Uh, again, Are we supposedly, information here? I was <laughs> going to say, I don't want to be the guy who spread misinformation. I've got... I've actually... To be fair, I won't because I'm, I'm currently on six days out of seven. I could do a fancast test later. I won't, but I, I'm sure I heard somewhere that, yeah, you can... If you drop some orange juice on it... Um, it comes out positive. That's madness, we could do feel... NHS propaganda now. You can just demo how to do a lateral flow test for the world. <laughs> this is just becoming a two-ball hat wearing. That would be the <laughs> worst stream I think anyone could have is me demonstrating how to do a lateral flow test. I had to record to myself to... in Santorini um, yeah. doing my test to make sure I'd done it properly. Yeah. And then I have to send it off to Randox, uh, that famously Tory-owned or Tory donor-owned um, health company who seems to be making a hell of a lot of money out of uh, this uh, process, but we won't go into that. Will we? I was going to say, what, one thing around kind of COVID as well, you know, I, I want to sort of mention is the majority of Wolves players have now had their booster jabs as well. Um, and I think they pretty much all had it, uh, you know, just after full-time against Chelsea. Which again, I think is fantastic for the club. They seem to be on a genuine kind of um, health promotion yeah, push it, within the club. What if it knocks our players sick now? It's been a busy period, isn't it, to start? I know that's why I think there. that's why they had it just after the game, though. I think because now they've not got a game until Boxing Day. They, you know, to be fair, mm. I, I mean, I, I'm in the same kind of peak condition as any sort of Premier League footballer of course but I was feeling the effects for the next day more than I felt with my first two jabs so you know if that's anything to go by for these you know elite you know human specimens um, I can see why they did it then rather than you know waiting any further because they wouldn't let's say be able to have it between Watford and Arsenal Mm. and things like that because actually then you'd be a bit like well hang on if I'm not quite right it just drags on and on and on. But, you know, it's, it's not the first thing the club have done in terms, you know, they did the um, C, um, CPR training as well um, earlier this season as well. So, you know, I do think that's a lot to be commended with the club. Like everyone's on the same hymn sheet, you know, frankly, whether you agree or not, but they they seem to be on the same page, which I think kind of yeah. goes a lot for the cohesion at the club, which hasn't always been great. Well, they've um, got that new... Um analysis room now I don't know where I think they spend a lot of time having meetings and stuff and obviously having the crack so and, and ha- having a bit of wine and cheese <laughs> <laughs> but I was going to say guys if the Watford game does go ahead whether it's behind closed doors or with X number of fans what we think can score and why so we won't kind of go through how we think Watford are going to line up or anything like that but what do we think um, score predictions for both games it's it's becoming a theme now, isn't it? One nil to the Wanderers. <laughs> Not George Graham's serious. Arsenal era. Um, this, is, <laughs> this is becoming three one Wolves. Oh, you're ambitious. Three one Wolves, three and then wolves. Arsenal. Arsenal will be two two, and then we'll all be moaning about how all over the shop Cody 
Sais and Kilman looking with Leeds Ben Botman in. <laughs> oh, for for good old days. Just we can be we'll just be prisoners of the moment, no matter what. That's how I always yeah. look at it. Um, shall we round up today's podcast, guys, with some questions from Twitter Corner? Go on, yeah. Let's go for it. Right, first up, we've got one from our boy Stu. Why don't pe- more people dress up for Christmas games? <laughs> Fucking hell, because that's in the state of him when he does that's why. <laughs> Fuck me. Yeah, I think Stu wears enough Stu wears enough garments to represent the entire crowd at games, doesn't yeah. he? So yeah, let, you've done you've done your job there, pal. You, well, you do I, it, so we don't have to. Christmas games. Why would do we dress up for Easter games? What I think. I'm dressing, up for a, I'm dressing up for a Diwali, Diwali game next year. <laughs> Can you, Where should you mean, get the fire mix We've, we've just, talked before about how like designated like charity games and like for certain things. We should have like a specific game for you say I was gonna say holidays and I was gonna say things like that. So you have Halloween one. I think that'll be great. Or going fancy dress. Yeah. Okay. The, the only time you should go in fancy dress is the last away day of the season. When we played Wigan away, last day of the season, I saw Winnie the Pooh, Super Mario and Luigi kicking off with the police and it was fucking beautiful. <laughs> it was oh, beautiful. Avid, is it? There's, honestly, there's nothing funnier than seeing grown men dressing, um, kicking off in fancy dress, especially when you're like, over the road and you can just see a bunch of pair of rangers just getting fucking Larry and that. Brilliant. It's the most British thing as well, fancy dress. I don't know if you guys are aware, but everybody else on the planet thinks it's really weird that British people do this. Dressing up for the... I think think everyone should do it. Just have a laugh out last day of the season, gooing up, gooing down. Yeah, Uh, I'm completely on board with like it being... Yeah, completely on board with um, fancy dress last game of the season. Um... Right, next up, um, Ash Dolan says, do you feel we need another striker to take role out of a firing line? Hasn't been performing for a few weeks now. That sort of links on to a different question we had around sort of Fabio Silva and about loaning him out as well from um, James Harrison. I think it was, uh, yeah, James Harrison and um, Amar asked ones about him as well. D- does Raul need a bit more competition to kind of motivate him a bit further? I think every striker needs competition. I think if, if you're a striker and you know you're getting 90 minutes week in, week out, it does take that sort of determination away. Because, yeah, as a striker, you, you want to score every game regardless. Every time you, you go on the pitch, you want to score. You want to score. But if no one's sort of pushing you, especially when you're on a bit of a drought, it's, um, I think it gives you less, less determination to try and get out of that drought, if that makes sense. Hmm. Considering the, have the pressure on him. I think considering the fixture congestion we've got coming up, it's a shame that Fabio's ended up getting COVID because he might be out maybe even for Watford, I'm not sure. Um, but I just think Bruno needs to give him a run out. Like, even if it's 20 minutes in a game, it really bothers me. Like, yeah. It's quite, quite small enough as it is. We've seen Fabio can impact games. Like We've seen it. He had a whole season. And I, I did make the point in the week that Maybe the amount of game time he had last week, last season, which was circumstantial ultimately. You know, we 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 brought him in as a backup. You know, as a bit of a protege to Jimenez. 
Jimenez gets injured, he has to play because we have no alternative. And it's put him on this path where he's played a certain amount of games, he feels he can handle the level and all that. And then people aren't managing his expectations thereafter. Um, so maybe he's kind of feeling a bit jilted at the moment, but at the same time, I feel for him because ultimately he's got he's got enough about him to have an impact on Premier League football matches. Mm, definitely. Um, Todd DeWitt um, asks, slightly change of pace, um, can you run faster than um, Adama Troy? Can... Oh, let me try that again. Can you run faster forwards than Adama Troy can run backwards? Over what distance? See now, this this is that was my exact first thought. For over five k, I'll have him. I definitely lose over five k. How fast could you possibly run backwards, anyone? I reckon he could pick up decent speed. He'd fall over before he could actually get to a decent speed, though. Well, yeah. I reckon he he could pick up speed to to give most sort of average sort of forty year old men a run for the money. Um, <laughs> what, kind of, what kind of bar are you sitting here? Because it's not a very high one, is it? A man called Aaron Yoda can run um, a mile backwards in five minutes thirty seconds. No way! Oh, that is According to the great people at the internet, that is a load of shite. I'm not having that. No. Hey, can you even run that far backwards? He's got to do that on a track, ain't he? You can't do that in the street. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming like this this world record has not just been like done down Bill Sny Street. Are <laughs> <laughs> you seen some of the crackhead red bills do? <laughs> They're all running out backwards. If we say, I love I feel I could beat a Dharma Trail Ray by sight, like by trying to psych him out because like he, he seems to be a little bit mentally fragile. So I don't know. Like I think I just remind him of. You know, every time he hasn't passed, or that time he keeps, you know, because he get he gets he loses confidence when he gets fouled. Remember that now, one on one against Leicester, Adama, yeah, yeah first game of the season. No, see, no, I wouldn't try and like kick him because he could beat the living hell out of me. But I just remind him of like, oh, do you, do you remember when you played Liverpool a few weeks ago? You're doing really well, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a shame Fabinho kept fouling you on the centre circle. Couldn't let you get anything going, could he? Shame, yeah. isn't it? What are you okay. Just set the race up. Just set the one of us will race him. We'll fill it. Give it a go. Give it a go. Yeah. <laughs> all of us can race him. We'll get eight or ten of us down there. We'll race him and see how many can beat him. Yeah. yeah. This is Luke it, going. Adama, come Aldersley Stadium. <laughs> yeah. We'll get it on the track. Come on, mate. Wilson <laughs> High Street, I'll have him. <laughs> Um, I think that was probably a really good point to end the show. Um, so thank you very much for listening, everyone. Make sure you go check out our sponsors of today's show, um, Pixel Yeti Media and ProPrep. Um, not quite sure when we'll be back on because it is kind of going to be dependent on the games and what kind of happens in the next few days. Um, so I fear this will definitely be our last show, I think, before Christmas. So have a fantastic Christmas, everybody body and make sure to keep up with wolves fancast on all your social media for your lols and trolls at wolves fancast um until next time it's goodbye from luke see you later it's goodbye from gully merry christmas everyone happy lockdown yeah merry and christmas 
Merry yeah. Christmas, everyone. Hope you have a good one, guys. See you next time. Thank <laughs> you.